Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going? It's really warm in Washington this week, and it's like 83 degrees. So I'm not doing that great. I can't. I left Georgia to get away from this weather, and now it's just warm. Yeah, I'm in North Carolina, and it's in like heat index is in the hundred. Like I went kayaking the other day with with. I'm mm-hmm. at a family thing, um, and the heat index was in like the hundred and tens. Yeah, no. Like, see, that's why I left. That's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. No so. one should live in those conditions. <laughs> well, um, as people might be able to suss out, because I'm in North Carolina at the family thing, uh, I still am not watching TV. I'm so behind, Noel, and it has me so stressed out. You should feel stressed out. My mom was here last weekend, and I still kept up with all the TV <laughs> that airs over the weekend, Kate. All of it. All of it. All yeah, big off. I watched The Bake Off and Brain Dead, which were one of which we're not even going to discuss. Yeah, should I check back in with Brain Dead? Uh, this past week's episode was the best that they've done in a while. Um, but it was also just poorly written. It was entertaining, but it was just poorly written from like a script perspective of, all right, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character is going to do all of these things because the script demands it. But it was also entertaining, and they dropped a lot of the political broadside stuff. So it was actually kind of fun to watch, but it was just, yeah, it was, no, in, too late for, like, short answer. But, yeah, no, you don't need to. Okay. Well, yeah. then I will feel better about not being caught up on it. Uh, I did do, I did watch some TV this week, and mm-hmm. I will be able to contribute somewhat. Uh, listeners, I, I should be... Back to Chicago and back to normal for for the next episode of the podcast. But you know, coming out down off of Comic Con, headed to a, a family uh, reunion vacation thing. Uh, there's not been as much time. I, I've been doing things like, as previously stated, kayaking, going outside. My skin doesn't like it. It's been sizzling. It's like saying you're an indoor kid, Kate. Why are you out in the sun? But yeah. um, but but I, so it's been it's been an entertaining and fun and uh, you know emotionally fulfilling catching up with the family kind of week. But I'm super behind on on the on the televisions. Um, so I yeah I, I've really enjoyed a lot of what I have watched though. So well, that's good, and you're caught up on the most important things. Yeah, so which that's clearly is Steven Universe. Steven Universe, right? That's all. Obviously. That's all I really expect. Avi, yeah. Um, Is that you be caught up on Steven Universe. Well, and speaking of Steven Universe and Comic-Con, at this week, instead of the DVD shelf, um, a friend of the show, my sister Maggie, uh, is is back on the podcast this week to help us uh, go over Comic-Con 2016 and all the different highlights of what we saw at the con and experienced. And there's like, guys, there's like 20 minutes of Steven universe talk. There's so much Steven universe talk in the, in that segment, but that'll be coming at the end of the podcast. Thank you for talking about it with us, Noel. Oh, absolutely. It was a pleasure to get a uh, report about the convention from you guys. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good times. And uh, we'll see uh, how long the, the con high, like is, <laughs> is still going for me with the show. Cause I have a feeling it's just going to, just soar just like right all the way down to our end of the year listening um yeah we'll see but we'll see we'll see um but now we should uh take a break listen to some music and just dive in with our week in tv right yeah i think so because there will be no breaks today there will be no breaks 
there are no breaks. There's no breaks in 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 podcasting when I'm this far behind on shows, <laughs> <laughs> and when I will be editing the podcast in the airport. There, there's yeah. that as well. So I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> So we will take a break, listen to a little music. We got a lot of great music on TV this week, uh, certainly. Not the least of which was because I watched a bunch of Stranger Things, but... All the synth. It's so good. Okay, more on that in a little bit. Uh, Listen to some music and come back with our week in TV. In time, when you trouble seems more than you can afford and you feel you feel you need a friend someone to share the love and when your skies go cloudy i want you to know got a friend that's true just like a shadow in the time of storm i'll see you through That's what I'll do When your dreams Are scattered Just like the wind Blown sand And you feel This week in TV, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to Survivor's Remorse. I'm very excited that that is back for season three. We'll talk about that next week. But, but Noel, Noel, you did watch some uh, Vice Principals, as promised. So you're going to check in on Trusty Steed and just a bit of your overall impressions on some of the other episodes that are coming up. Um, you'll talk a little bit about Wrecked, The Adventures of Beth and Lamar. Uh, and then I'll talk with you, because, of course, you've already seen all of it. But I've seen the first half of Stranger Things. So we'll talk a bit, little bit about that. Dive in with Steven Universe, The New Lars, Beach City Drift. Restaurant Wars, Kiki's Pizza Delivery Service, uh, Monster Union, and Alone at Sea. Steven Superbomb! Yay! Yay! <laughs> then we'll move right over to Great British Baking Show, uh, Alternative Ingredients and Pastry. I'll talk about Looking, which had its Looking the Movie. You will talk, Noel, about Unreal Fugitive and Mr. Robot, which I'm still I'm so behind on. Um, but but you're going to you know, hook it's us okay. up. It's okay. 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 <laughs> but I did have time to catch up on some of, but not all, of Greenleaf. So we're going to talk Greenleaf. We're going to talk last week's intense episode. And I'm sure you'll have some thoughts on this week's episode as well. One Train May Hide Another from last week week and the whole book from this week um and we'll round things out with the night of which i did catch up on and so we'll talk about a dark crate but first up is vice principles now we were skeptical after the the first episode um yes. and i said i wasn't gonna set aside the time but you you said you know what i actually have screeners for this one i can watch an hbo show i'm gonna do it um how are you feeling about that choice how how'd they do kate they burned down her house in the second episode yeah, I had heard about that ahead of time. I got spoiled. They burned for down that. her house. There's no coming back from that. <laughs> no, there's no coming back from that as far as I'm concerned. And I didn't even and, watch it. And anything else they do is totally negligible compared to burning down her house. Yeah. <laughs> um, so because when you're looking at like imagery, you're like, you know, I think what we should do, we should have these two white men harass a black lady and let's particularly use a single fire black lady. yeah to 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 show these two white characters dislike of a black character fire's a great call for that yeah um so the thing is is like it's still not funny particularly funny um even setting aside the weird racial representation in politics and gendered representations 
Um, but then Field Trip, which is this coming week's episode, is I think what the show should be. Um, it's very much in a cringe comedy sort of vein. There's no concern with Dr. Brown's job or anything. It actually goes away from the school, hence the name Field Trip. And it's directed by McBride, and it's really well directed by McBride. Um, but it's still very much in a cringe type of comedy vein, which is not something that always hits for me. And this isn't still isn't hitting for me. But there's a better show in that episode than in the first two episodes and then in Run for the Money, which is the next week's episode, which I also watched and did not like as they just returned to trying to make Dr. Brown's life as miserable as possible so she would leave. And it's just like, this isn't an interesting show. I mean, there's ideas about toxic masculinity and white entitlement and everything, but it's just, you burn down her house in the second episode. What 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 more can you do to this woman <laughs> that you haven't already done? Yeah. Well, and you know what? I was it, it was interesting because I was talking with some family uh, at this reunion that I'm at about different shows and what are new shows that are especially comedies that are out there right now that are good. And the conversation uh, got around to Always Sunny because I've got some family members mm-hmm. who are just like catching up with it first run, like they're going catching up on right. season like nine, ten, eleven. Talk about horrible characters doing incredibly offensive things. I mean, that's pretty much everything that Always Sunny is. But the difference mm-hmm. is, it's really, really funny. I laugh yeah. out loud every episode that I watch. And no, it's not for everyone, but I laugh out loud every episode I watch. And that is a rare thing most of the time. So uh, you can have a show about these types of characters doing these types of things. But I better be laughing or else it doesn't work. At- well, I guess my question then, because I haven't watched really much of any of uh, Sunny is, is what the folks do on Sunny, is it maliciously driven? At or is times. it just because at times, but at times, but this is just all malicious. Yeah. Well, it's, it's in all vice principles. It's all perceived slights and yeah. entitlement and, and everything. And uh, usually there's some, Thing that's happened that's instigating the events just setting them in motion but there are certainly characters who have done nothing to have their lives destroyed by these people but I think it also makes a big difference that almost always in that show it's a new thing every week and they'll return to certain characters whose lives they have destroyed uh, not through wanting to destroy their life but just not caring that they have most of the time so they'll they'll like pick up threads with some of these characters sometimes but I think having the what it feels like again I've only watched the first episode but having the whole show centered on a very specific focused uh like attack on this one person every single week continuing um it just feels very different tonally than having a new like they get like this destructive force of these friends that gets pointed towards different targets in every right. week, which is more of the feel of Always Sunny. Right. This is dedicated harassment on Vice Principles. This is just horrible people finding new targets every week on Sunny. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, so I think it's fair to say you've watched four episodes out of, what, ten in this first season? I, 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 I want to say it's eight or ten. I legitimately don't know. But, but yeah. that's enough to have a sample size, but, I would say. Are you going to yeah. watch any more of it? Or are you done? I'm shaking my head emphatically for <laughs> listeners. Kate can see me, but yeah. no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to watch any more when I 
log on to watch my night of episodes. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. What about Wrecked? Uh, the Adventures of Beth and Lamar. This was one that, again, after the first episode, we were a little skeptical on. It's been, we're almost getting through the end of the first season. How are you They feeling? have like two weeks left. Yeah. yeah. How are you feeling about this show? Uh, I'm still feeling kind of good about Wrecked. Um, I'm enjoying it. Um, the Adventures of Beth and Lamar is the most like obviously lost inspired episode the show's done. Uh, not only in terms of we get a sustained flashback for Stephen. Is that the Australian guy's name? Sure. Sure. The Australian guy who was elected uh, like president of the island. Reese Darby. Yeah. There we go. We'll just call him Reese Darby's character. Um, so we get a sustained flashback with him this week that basically like explains him. And But then we also get Corey, who comes to save some folks from the pit. And he's just like, and everyone's just like, I haven't seen you before. Where did you come from? And he's just like, I've been here the entire time <laughs> with Beth and Lamar. Who? Beth and Lamar. Yeah, these guys. And it's, just, it's it's really great. And it's just really funny. Uh, the fact, and they even like acknowledge, he even like the Corey character acknowledges. He's just like, oh, it's all always about the 10 of you guys. But everyone else is just background characters. Let's see how it is. <laughs> and it's really nice meta commentary type of stuff um, that feels very directed at loss. But like I said, because of the flashbacks and what we learn about Reese Darby's character and how Reese Darby's character handles an escalating crisis situation on the island, I'm trying not to spoil anything for you, um, it it's very losty and, and we have a big like personal reveal type of thing that suddenly explains everything. And I really appreciated how there was that slow game in setting him up and revealing this backstory. And it just, again, it felt very lost. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. But I think it still works without the lost context. But I think it's much funnier with it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, when you're just describing it like that is the Nikki and Paolo episode. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of fun. To, and also entertaining to see them go there already in season one. Right. Um, but yeah, I look forward to catching up with that one. Definitely. Um, now, unfortunately, I haven't caught up with that one, partially because I've spent the very few hours I've had to watch TV this week watching Stranger Things because it's yes. amazing. You guys right. totally undersold it. Okay. And by you guys, I mean, no. I always do soft sells, though. I always try to do soft sells. Yeah, Noel, but also like the interwebs in general. The show is amazing, and uh, I, so you're, you're you go for the soft sell. I'm going for the hard pitch because uh, not only is this show super fun. I mean, I'm also watching it probably in the perfect venue, which is a house I don't really know in the dark with strange noises I'm not familiar with, and sitting on a couch with two of my siblings and a blanket and it's pitch black so that's Christmas lights everywhere that you kind of talk to no but no. A, but cars drive up the road like next mm -hmm. to the house and the the headlights get reflected in weird ways because of the windows and so randomly yes. there will be lights yeah no yes. totally creepy absolutely um so I've watched I we watched the first three Okay. And then we last night we were only able to watch one because we watched uh, as we record last night uh, because we watched Hillary's DNC speech. And so that took we didn't realize it was going to take an hour. Should have realized but did not. So that ate into our Stranger Things time. By the time this is out we will have I assume finished the show because we're committed to finishing it 
as soon as possible. But not only does it have the the horror elements, which again were soft sold to me. Again, the listenership knows I am a scaredy cat, but this was it got really quiet watching mm-hmm. this with myself, my younger sister, and my older brother. And uh, just because at first you start out, there's a little chit chat happening, and like you're munching on some popcorn, that kind of a thing. And then after a while, it gets deadly silent in the room because everybody like is not breathing. We're all scanning the background of every scene. Like as Winona Ryder looks around the corner, I'm like staring at the walls and everything. Um, yeah, it's just so intense while still having such heart and such uh, such connection with the characters. Those kids are amazing. They're right? awesome. They're so great. That the whole Mirkwood Lord of the Rings Hobbit thing was just like, I was laughing so hard, Noel. I was mm-hmm. laughing so hard. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it, it it touches on so many elements of of nostalgia, but but the best kind because yeah. it doesn't feel like it feels nostalgic because the kids feel like kids and because it's set in a time before cell phones and before you could nest like kids feel different now than they did you know when we were growing up or before that and when you watch movies that people say that's what it felt like when I was a kid you know that kind of a thing um so the type of kid the type of interaction you're having you're seeing in this feels very authentic it feels very relatable um then you have the other just the whole rest of the world is so intelligently thought out the each of the characters feels specific um even the ones you get very little time with and so it's just it's very engrossing there's so much humor there's so much heart and there's so much intense stakes so when it switches tones when it switches to a new idea it does it very very effectively the music how is no one talking about the music noel uh, they're in Austin. I think they're an Austin-based band, actually, um, that did the score for this. But it's a terrific synth soundtrack. I love it. I was just. I kept going to Cliff Martinez's score for the Nick. Mm-hmm. It, it's what I just kept connecting to with it. But I mean, it's it's fantastic. It keeps suspense going throughout. It's just like a just like a low hum and underneath the scene. Oh, it's it's terrific. And people are talking about the soundtrack a lot. They're talking about the the song choices that show up. Like, should I stay or should I go? Is very prominently featured, for example. But you know, for the, me, the smash cut c- credit songs are pretty solidly chosen. Yeah, but no, you're absolutely correct. The score is just phenomenal. It's so good. It's so good. And the mystery has all been handled incredibly well at least so far in these first four i can't wait to see what happens next knowing that there's only eight is incredibly encouraging as well so i just like this is by far for me the the surprise of of the year i would even say because i think we knew because of the acting pedigree of you know i think it was a surprise of how just how great um people versus oj simpson was but i think because of the actors involved we knew that probably there'd be something good we know that there's potential in that story even if maybe we weren't expecting it to be so uh just so eye-opening and so amazingly done but this just came out of nowhere and i still just talking to my relatives down here most of them hadn't heard of it so i've just been i've been telling everyone they need to sit down and watch stranger things uh yeah i can't wait to to finish it and hopefully a friend of the show steve procopi if you're listening steve uh he needs to watch this and then he can come on and we can do a season spotlight slash steve's horror picks because i know he will love it (laughs) as the man who made me watch you know salem's lot the, the the font of which is featured prominently in this one. Uh, 
I know that he will enjoy this and I would love to talk about it with him. So Steve, get watching when you have some spare time. Everybody else listening, watch Stranger Things. Just, you know, queue up some Steven Universe for afterwards so you can come down before you go to bed. <laughs> right, but not Kiki's deliv- not Kiki's Pizza Delivery Service. Probably not eat. that. I don't want you to have pizza nightmares, Kate. Probably. Well, you see, but I really enjoyed that episode, too. No, um, I do, too. Yeah, like, it was that one wasn't as traumatizing for me as I think it could have been. But let, let's go into Steven Universe. We had The New Lars, Beach City Drift, Restaurant Wars, Kiki's Pizza Delivery Service, Monster Reunion, and Alone at Sea. Um, we talked about last week was this, how did this Steven Bomb compare to previous Steven Bombs? Uh, and I said, I, th- I thought the birthday bash was a little higher overall ratio yeah this as they extend the steven bomb into a steven nuclear explosion um the like i thought these episodes were all fantastic and so like they've raised their ratio for me with with these i i thought i was i mean just even the return of stevani and beach city drift raised what would have been just a sort of regular episode to have so much more meaning loved this the subtext and the storytelling in pizza delivery service um monstery i mean like alone at sea the stuff we got with lapis you must have loved that i was very happy with alone at sea yeah yeah Yeah. and even just like new lars and and sadie seeing through and just being like the stuff we they give the depth they give sadie in that scene i just i just loved it monster reunion also really uh so so emotional and to give this all this backstory to the centipedal centipedal from the very right yeah yeah, from the very first episode of the show, and to get us like, no, they were friends this whole time. So like, oh man, they're killing it over at Steven Universe. Yeah, uh, I, I think I was a little cooler on some of these than you were. Like, I mm-hmm. didn't, I liked the Sadie stuff in New Lars, but I didn't like the episode as a whole. Um, just it was fine. Um, but uh, Beach City Drift was something I need to go back and watch again. I feel like uh, just to catch more stuff that was happening in that uh but it was also just gorgeously animated was the other thing that was the main that was what kept distracting me in beach city drift is that i just loved looking at beach city drift because it was a really pretty it was a really well animated um episode i thought um but kiki's pizza delivery service may just keep it like a little special place in my heart because kate even though you won't understand this they had an end of Evangelion reference in that, <laughs> and it just made me so happy. Um, so for those of you who have watched um, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is one of those seminal anime works from the uh, 90s, uh, End of Evangelion is the movie conclusion. I'm doing conclusion because I don't want to... If I make Kate watch Evangelion at any point, I don't want to give too much away. Um, but there's that scene of them on the beach with the pizza in like the ocean at the end after they've thwarted the um the cheese monster yeah the cheese monster is directly lifted from end of evangelion and i just i squeed way too loud that the cat jumped up from the couch Mm -hmm. um but it was still a really good episode and i liked how the dreams the dream logic from previous episodes continued to make sense within the confines of this episode which i thought was really consistent but yeah let's let's just dive into monster reunion and alone at sea because those are really good episodes yeah (laughs) yeah let's talk monster reunion how great is it that they have all the different things they could go back to that they go back to the centipedal 
Yeah, no, like, and I was watching the episode, and I just went, I remember this. I remember this creature. I don't remember what happened in this episode. I've, like, vague, have vague memories of Stephen trying to protect it. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, I don't remember this episode very well, because we're in the 60, 70 episodes in at this point. And it's just, like, I need to go back and rewatch this and come back to it. But then as the episode progressed, I was just, like, no, I don't. You don't. this... This works right here. I don't need the context, really. My fuzzy memories of it are enough for me to go, this is horrifying, and now we're going to have cute animated crayon drawings showing something really heartbreaking and horrible. And I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I fortunately enough, this week, um, as in spending time with my family, my sister was doing my sister-in-law's nails, uh, which is a multi-hour process. It's like, it looks so amazing. Don't know how she can, well, I do know how, because I watched it happen, but she's a badass <laughs> at this stuff. Um, so while we were doing that, uh, we put on the first, like, 15 episodes of Steven Universe. So I had just rewatched it, too. So, so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. No. So they're, and, and they're really it's a very minor part of, of that episode. It's not, yeah. you know, the focus in the in the first episode is so much on everything else that you don't necessarily get the connection that they they go back and reestablish here. Um, but no, I mean, even just something as throwaway as in, you know, the first episode, the Cookie Cat song, Cookie Cat, he left his family behind which is mm-hmm. so emotional and intense and everything and just like tossed away if you're not looking for it um, to come back to that in a very similar way here with these crayon drawings and, and just the, the horror of he's of Steven's trying to heal this creature and just as the more upset it gets the more distraught it gets the more it breaks down and falls apart and loses its humanity it just feels kind of wrong to say but like it's it's gemanity gemness yeah um and and then like when it has to put a palm on the door and it's so distraught and trying to do that 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 it loses the ability to do so i think it's such a powerful message about um needing um when when possible sometimes you need that space and if you're so upset that you are the least able to help yourself you need someone else all the more at that time um when you're most when you're most passionate when you're most desperate to to fix something or get to something um that's when you most need others around you i think that's such an important message for kids um yeah i just i it's wonderful that gets to like what's been the through line especially for these episodes in particular is very much steven learning the limits of what he can do to help people yeah i mean it's just like i'm gonna i've taken over lars's body and i'm just gonna fix his entire life a that's not something you can do steven because that's not okay yeah and but b is also he's he's learned he figures out that he can't fix it because that messes with laura's life but it also messes with other people's lives Mm -hmm. he can't he can help kiki come to terms with all the stress that is being inflicted upon her but in turn, look at what it's doing to him type yeah. of thing. He can walk her up to it, but she's got to be the one that actually is honest right. and, and solves her own problem. And, and and I also love that, you know, juxtaposing those two episodes, like we can do because they're so near each other in the timeline right. of when they're airing. Um, with Lars, it's um, 
it it's very much they're both they're similar in how they how they're set up and how they begin. Um, and Lars is very much it's an, it's not okay. It goes back to this conversation of consent that is yeah. like through so much of these episodes. Um, it's completely an, uh, a stepping over the line and not okay thing he's done. And then we get to Kiki's Pizza Delivery Service, and it's I love that they say that she's like, oh no, thank you. I've had a really hard time sleeping, and I and so this idea that sometimes helping is the right thing to do, sometimes it's not. It's not as easy as just never interfere. Yeah. Because Kiki needed help. She needed someone to reach out and kind of help her along that road to, um, to to standing up for herself and not assuming that if she did that, her family would reject her. Um, but again, as you say, watching Steven deteriorate through the episode, there's a cost to that. And mm-hmm. it just, again, I just love that this show takes these really important messages uh, about self-love and, and, and taking care of yourself and when you can... Ha- afford to take care of others um and puts it in the package of pizza monsters <laughs> dream warriors you know right and so and then it just all kind of gets tied up with a nice bow with alone at sea i think in that greg and steven rent and then eventually buy <laughs> a boat um and they're just trying so steven especially is trying so hard to make lapis happy and to help her get over things, basically. I mean, he's aggressively trying to do it in a way that I'm just like, Stephen, you need to pull back, <laughs> is what I'm yelling at the television when it's happening. And Not yelling, I'm just saying to myself that he needs to like pull back and just understand that Lapis needs space type of an issue. And needing space is exactly <laughs> what the problem was, <laughs> considering Jasper shows up. <laughs> And is then we just get very much into a whole other rigmarole beyond helping people, but very much like what you were talking about and what you will talk about in the comic con panel discussion. <laughs> we'll have talked about it at the end of the, we'll, yes. Yeah, we'll have yeah. talked about this already, but it's just this idea of not only consent, but what you need to do to stay healthy for yourself, uh, self-advocacy, um, and recognizing like abusive relationships. Cause I mean, Jasper's very much just like, Oh no, baby, it'll be different this time around yeah. type of thing. And it's just like, no, <laughs> it yeah. will not be different. Uh, and you make me a bad person. I don't want to be this person. And it's just, it's so good. And it's balanced out by the fact that Lapis is just like, I do not want that on my body mm-hmm. <laughs> with, the hat i mean it's really funny but (laughs) at the same time it just immediately sets up exactly what this episode ends up being about is very much what lapis does not want to do yeah and i just could not get over how really good that episode was well and also just looking at you know jasper is trying to use lapis's mistakes against her and to convince her she's this terrible person and but what i really appreciate is that the show doesn't excuse mistakes either now is are her mistakes as terrible is she as terrible a person or a gem as jasper wants her to think of course not no but she did steal the world's ocean but she feels really bad about that (laughs) but like she the show doesn't say oh well it's okay that you broke my dad's arm or leg or whatever it was like the show doesn't excuse that either um and i think that's you know and this idea that you don't it's not all or nothing it's not you're a completely wonderful perfect person and every any mistake you had was not really your fault and you know 
or you're it is all your fault and you're terrible and there's no point in trying to be a happier better healthier person um it's just i just again i just love what they're talking about what they're addressing with this episode and to see that i did not expect either either gem jasper or lapis to to go on the the arcs sort of they do in this episode and to, to yeah. express what they do lapis right. talking about jasper how she especially just oh yeah yeah, but Lapis talking about how she misses that power and she misses yeah. and like and these really dark instincts that she's finding in herself and how that, how that kind of scares her as well. And this idea that her owning up to that and her addressing that and even just saying it out loud summons Jasper to her at her most vulnerable time. I mean, it's powerful stuff. It is. And it's also, I think, one of those things in, gosh, I can't remember if Steven mentions this or not, but it's just they were merged for so long that, I mean, Lapis is doing terrible things to Jasper to keep her in check. But at the same time, I mean, there's like this, we know from fusion type of stuff that there's a circuit of and an exchange of emotions, of personalities and how that all like intermingles to create a very different type of person but it still sticks with you i mean that's i mean that's why like we have the tower song with amethyst and merging with garnet and her jealousy over pearl and garnet merging to form sardonyx it's so hard to sometimes keep things clear in my head yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) oh but so i mean there's just that sense of togetherness and that kind of loss of individual identity in place of a different kind of identity that I think is really telling. And so I I guess I'm just trying to give Lapis the benefit of the doubt because I really like that character. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that fact that, again, she was just under that water for so long that and doing what she thought needed to be done type of thing. But eventually, like Jasper's own particular type of viciousness and cruelty Mm. may have just exasperated the situation in and of itself and she may have just drawn strength from that as well yeah oh i love it yeah see it's great Love it so much oh why isn't everyone watching steven universe because they should anybody loves tv should be watching steven universe oh it's great storytelling okay any other thoughts on this uh, this most recent batch of episodes I'm just glad we get more episodes. We just get more. Oh my god! Right? How is this not top of our year at the end of the at the end of the year? Right? Well, I mean, it was top at the end of my year last year. Yeah, and I was so wrong. I had it way too low. <laughs> it was so wrong. Anyways, um, another one that I know we both love uh, yes. is the Great British Baking Show. And last week, last Friday, they had alternative ingredients and pastry. Uh, I will also plug here my yes, article. Absolutely that I wrote for the AV Club about the Great British Baking Show is, is up over there. I wrote basically a love letter to the show and and specifically to its humanist philosophy and the way that it supports and encourages its contestants. I mean, I feel like almost any reality show you watch is hoping for drama, is hoping for, I should say interpersonal drama, is hoping for a villain and is hoping for people to fail. And they set them up in as many ways as they can to get them as tired, as stressed, as hopefully drunk in the interview scenes as possible so that they can uncover uh, really overly uh, like so they can uncover moments of these people not at their best, not how they want to be seen. Um, 
And instead, the Great British Baking Show does everything it can to make sure that these contestants succeed and outshine even they what they know their uh, limits to be. So yeah. I love it. And I wrote about it at Havy Club. As, and I, I think that what you're talking about is really well represented within this pair of episodes as well. Um, because alternative ingredients has them dealing without sugar to make a cake, without uh, flour to make some something else, and without what was the other thing? Um, there was no sugar, no flour, oh no dairy as no well dairy. as make ice cream, and which didn't seem to be that big of an issue. The lack of dairy, um, but within like the alternative ingredients episode, it's just like Une has a really bad. And her collapsing cake should be, ha, ha, yes, type of moment in any other type of cooking show. And instead, it's just like, well, you put something on the plate. It looks awful, and this is why it looks awful, but it doesn't taste terrible. And this idea of jam and ice, jelly and ice cream, which I thought was going to be shit, was actually kind of good, Paul Hollywood says. <laughs> <laughs> And I really, it's so supportive. And even to that end, like Nadia's inability to make a proper puff pastry dough the first time around, she stops, makes another one, and has managed to complete the puffs, but can't stuff the puffs. Mm -hmm. And she just, she puts everything on, she puts everything on the table. She's just like, this is obviously not what I wanted to do, but everything tastes really good. The puffs look really good. And but she's also saved by the fact that Alvin just had a really, 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 really terrible weekend, like yeah. awful weekend, because I feel like she would have gone home had Alvin not had a terrible weekend. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And it's you know, I was talking with friend of the show, Dennis Perkins um, from the AB Club about about Bake Off uh, recently, and he was talking like Alvin just like crushed him <laughs> he's just so emotionally invested in alvin and particularly this episode and i think this is another great example of what this show doesn't do that another show would do you can tell there's a story there yeah. with him and his dad there's a big story there and they hint at it they don't they don't exploit it yeah and and they don't try to to turn like this weekend this bad weekend he had into a referendum on his relationship with his father. Yeah. And I just I appreciate that so much. And one need only look at Alvin's Instagram to know that he is a bad ass baker who had a bad weekend and that, you know, he the for, the latter does not change the former. Right. I mean, the dude made a really simple straightforward pineapple upside down cake. And it was delicious apparently. Like, mm. apparently, like, one of the best things that they had. And he was sitting there going, like, did I go too simple? I'm done. Everyone else has, like, another 40 minutes of baking left. And my cake's done. Did I go too simple? And no, you did not, because you executed it perfectly. Yeah. And that's all that matters on this show is that you don't have a soggy bottom and you have a good crumb. Yeah. Very important. It has to be a good bake. It has to be scrummy. Um, do you have any other thoughts about these two episodes? Um, Kate, my mm -hmm. hopes are on Nadia. Your hopes are on Nadia, so that's that's where you have your your uh, well, for, your bake off for, money right now. For my whole like, it's going to be a woman thing because Ugne's gone, <laughs> <laughs> and it's Nadia and Flora. Yeah, Flora hasn't won you over yet. I, I'm not convinced that Flora is strong enough, and also just 
alternative ingredients like did I can't remember if it was alternative ingredients or pastry because they're kind of blurred together now in my brain Mm -hmm. um where she just kept doing a little too much yeah and self-sabotaging a little bit and so now I'm like okay learn from this and maybe you can improve but I'm just bolstered by the fact that Nadia's flavors are always really on point apparently aside Mm -hmm. from like last week I think she just did something that just didn't work but like flavor wise she's like really on point so she's she's my hope for my prediction that a woman wins okay okay <laughs> but i'm feeling less and less optimistic as i tweeted to you and dennis actually like mm-hmm. i was just like dennis like stepped into our conversation and he was just like poor Une, and i just went yes everything's coming down upon me and my prediction <laughs> this is why i don't make predictions about reality competition shows because it never goes well for me <laughs> well there is there that is certainly could be a thing um yeah i i know that uh for my predictions on amazing race they have rarely come true so i feel you feel you there um yeah i'm gonna say nothing and uh look forward to talking about the next episodes uh, I, the last thing i will say though is i really appreciate them doing an alternative baking uh an alternative ingredients episode as someone who has uh family members with celiac mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate them doing a flourless episode and not just having it be all flourless chocolate cakes you know um so i appreciated that as well so we'll see you know it's another way to keep things creative and and, and change things up with while still actually doing you know, being honest uh, or being honest, what home baking is, and so, yeah. this idea of for a lot of people, they they need to do these substitutions. And um, if you were in a restaurant, you'd probably need to be able to have something to you know. Every now and again, they throw a challenge like this in Top Chef. Uh, but but I like that that that's another different way to get creative um, with their challenges. So thank you to the Great British Baking Show, and you can read you know if you want to hear more about how much I love. Uh, this show you can check out my my piece over at the AV Club. Uh, another show that I adore is Looking. It was one of my favorite shows uh, both years that it was on, and it came back this weekend with its uh, like sort of wrap up movie, Looking the movie, and I just I thought it was wonderful. It was it was so so great to spend time with these characters again. Um, the 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 ability of this show to get me invested in characters and in their in their relationships like I'm so invested in every potential couple on this show and every friendship on this show it's just like insane like th- th- this really is a series of two character scenes for the most part throughout the looking movie um and every now and again there'll be group scenes as well but these little exchanges you get throughout the movie are just so so finely tuned to these characters and so full of so full of their history or in the case of there's a couple of characters who are new so to the the honesty that you can have with a stranger that you're never expecting to see again so so i really appreciate the performances the writing and direction are fantastic as as they always are on looking the visuals uh, are really very striking as again as they always are on looking um the the color palette being the sort of kind of washed out blue um, was more distinct than I recall the first two seasons being, but you know it's been a while since I watched them. So oh no, maybe I'll have to do some rewatching. Heaven forbid, Noel. Um, but uh, I, I just, th- I just am so invested in Patrick and in Richie and in Patrick and in Kevin and in everybody else too. But like, 
I love how I'm so with the Jonathan Groff central character of Patrick um, as he's going through his day and then Richie will show up and I'll say like, yes, Patrick, we love you. You're amazing. Don't you dare hurt Richie. I will cut you in your face, in your beautiful Jonathan Groff face if you hurt Richie. Um, you know, it, whereas, and then you're with Ke- Rich, Patrick and your Ke- and Kevin, and you're like, oh, I mean, I want to be invested in Kevin. They're so great together. Oh, but he hurt him, and but was he right? Whose perspective on this on their breakup is is right? Or are they both right? Or they just capture the chemistry of these different people and the different aspects that each person we know bring out in us. And the ability for of one person to just take on a, a completely different feel around a different kind of person. It's just really striking. Um, but yeah, it's hard to think of a show in the past however many years that I've been as invested in characters getting happily ever after than I am in looking. So it ends very... It's it. There's no happily ever after. There's no like off into the sunset. There's just like people having a meal at the end and who knows what the and there's like a nod and there's the tears and the like Jonathan Groff starts crying and I just and I'm crying and everyone who's watching should be crying or they have no heart Noel it's so good um but at the same time at the same point there's also no promise that it's not going to be exactly like it was the last time and that they're going to break each other's hearts and they're going to Oh, it's so good. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm very incoherent about this show. At some point, you'll have the chance to watch it. And I look forward to your thoughts. But it's just, it's just a wonderful show. And um, I'm very glad we got one more opportunity with the character. It's one of those things where the first season, the last scene in the first season was a beautiful ending, if that was the ending. And the last scene in the second season was a beautiful ending, if that was the ending. And then the last scene in the fine in the movie is which is now the ending right is a beautiful ending um uh but yeah i just i just feel i just feel so much for these characters um and watching how they've grown and matured over time uh and found themselves in different places than maybe they expected to be it was just really very touching so i love the looking movie yay um you don't love unfortunately Unreal, which no. I again I'm not caught up on. A few thoughts on Fugitive. You don't need to catch up. Is Ooh, my few thoughts harsh. on Fugitive? That's harsh. Um, yeah, no. Um, I was actually talking with a couple of folks on Twitter. Um, one had like four episodes built up on her DVR and was just like, based on what I've been hearing, I shouldn't be catching up. And it's just like, no, you should not be. Because I, I I tweeted a GIF of a co- track um, collapsing underneath the train to just as with the hashtag for the show because that's how I was feeling like halfway through the episode of this this week's episode of Fugitive and I just went yeah this is a this is a train wreck and I mean I'll just Kate they're just like Romeo is barely addressed in this episode and he got shot yeah that's wrong now suddenly the show decides it cares about the show within the show and it's just like Oh right, we're supposed to care about everlasting, and Chet had this deal, and Quinn wants to get things back on track, and it's just like you guys haven't cared about this show all season, <laughs> but now it's the end, and we have to care about it. And it's just like, nope, too late. 
Darius doesn't even know one of their names. She, he just addresses her as, you're the cop, right? Yeah, you're out. <laughs> and it's just like, show. You yeah. know that you've had a problem, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. Um, so no, you don't need to catch up on Unreal unless you just really, really want to. Um, I mean, I'll finish because we've got like two or three episodes left. But yeah, they're not going to pull this out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are you are you losing hope for a next season revival? A little bit, yeah. I, I, Ouch. I, I, I just it's it's bad. It's just it's it's rough, and we learn like finally like the big thing about Rachel and her mom, and it's just like it's just more trauma on Rachel. That's just it's starting to feel really excessive, and it's proceeding beyond like the trappings of melodrama into how much hardship and pain and suffering can we put onto this one character let's just is this, see is this noble suffering let's give them a backstory full of pain and suffering uh and you know in the case of a lot of female character what feels like a lot of female characters on poorly thought out cable dramas uh sexual assault and that will make them more noble and that will make when they screw up yeah but you know it's like that old uh is it family guy gag of you know the the really the jerk in the office is like yeah but that jerk donates all his time to charity <laughs> right yeah I, I, this feels like the overextended equivalent of that yeah that's unfortunate well what about another one i know you're not huge on mr robot <laughs> episodes three and four uh colonel panicked and uh and in it one we guess we think that's the episode title apologies to um Sam Eshmael, if we get that incorrect, but not apologies to Sam Eshmael for saying that your show is becoming a bloated mess. Um, okay. It's becoming a bloated mess. And this week there were quite a few articles basically saying, what's the show doing exactly? And Kate, as you saw, and I tweeted uh, just like two things, like two lines of, Noel sees that there are a number of what's up with Mr. Robot articles. And then the next line is, sits on his hands and walks walk, rocks slowly back and forth because I've been saying this since last year <laughs> uh, that there were like problems with this show and in no small part were some of them just structural and I think one of the big problems is, is like with the two-parter premiere and the Colonel Panic and In It One is that we had four episodes of basically set up and this is what the world is like, except we never really got a full, really full sense of what the world was like. We had those quick glimpses of the banks and everything. But now we're going to shift to someone's coming after the F Society, and we need Elliot back in action, hence in it. And that's where we're going to go. And it's just like, oh, okay. So we're not really going to care too much about the social ramifications of this we're just going to sidestep it for the moment being maybe we'll see and it's just like it's not good it's not interesting and Colonel Panic especially was just really really deeply frustrating just from a multitude of levels but I mean there's there's an instance in, in it one where Mr. Robot and Elliot play chess over and over and over again to determine who's going to be in control and it's a constant stalemate for obvious reasons, is you just me describing that scenario, you know why it's a stalemate. Also, just you describing that scenario, I rolled my eyes. Right. So. A, it's a terrible scene, and B, it kind of sums up how I'm feeling about the show. It's just like the show just keeps moving pieces around without actually advancing anywhere. 
It's just like, oh, oh we're going to do this. Oh, but that, that well, we kind of need to reset some more. And it's just like, oh, God, no, just just tell t tell me a story of some sort as opposed to just keep seams, just keep kind of getting bloated. Um, so apparently they're like going to like regular run episodes, regular length episodes starting next week, which is great. So I don't have to sit through an extra 15, 20 minutes of an episode now, mm -hmm. which makes me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I don't want to feel vindicated, but I feel kind of <laughs> vindicated. Well, my question for you is we're only, okay, Unreal, we're on episode eight this week. Yeah. Fair enough. But Mr. Robot, we're on episode four this week. Why are you going to keep watching? Because I don't want you to have to just yeah, keep talking about it. That's not a good enough reason. It's not a good enough reason. I don't like when either of us monologue too much, and which is what I've been doing here. But well, no, like, yeah, plus. I've, I've had my, my share of monologuing this week, sir, and I think you would agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like, I also just, a little bit of me likes being contrarian and being King Lear and raging against the wind and the storm of. <laughs> okay. Okay. But. You know, it's just I, like, Domni Domni, you have my blessing to stop right. watching Mr. Robot. <laughs> this one's not on me, guys. Yeah. No, no, this isn't on Kate at all. No, this is me wanting to make sure that the podcast is still compelling and interesting to listen to with both of us discussing things. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll see how much further I can go. But they're doing 13 episodes this year instead of 10. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I feel like uh, compelling and interesting to listen to is a excellent way to jump to our next show, and that's Greenleaf, because uh, the the episode from last week, uh, One Train May Hide Another, and I caught up with the one before that as well. I did not have time for this week's episode of the whole book. Uh, this is incredibly compelling television it's really kicked it up a notch so when we're having trouble with unreal and, and mr robot listeners if you're having trouble with these shows the way that we are check out uh greenleaf if you have it on demand if you have if you get owned if, um, if you can somehow find it because apparently it's really difficult to find <laughs> yeah if you don't have own uh we hear that it can be rather challenging to uh acquire um legally and not legally, but mostly legally. We endorse using legal methods we here do. on the Televerse yeah. to to find and and support television shows. Um, but the the stuff that they're doing with these characters, like, is is it just me? Is it my time away from it? Coming back to it this week, that I'm like misremembering it, or has it indeed gotten quite a bit better? It's gotten quite a bit better. Um, the past couple of episodes, but like, just one train may hide another is just a big step for the show and like i alluded to just the you wouldn't think so given the focus on mac and everything but you it gives you a this really big glimpse into how this family operates like i said last week and then it's just like lays everything out for you like this is this is the central tension of why gg left and all this stuff and it's really really interesting it's really really good but even like the previous episode which has the television deal attempt and the swinger couple, which was yeah. just fantastic to watch. That and was the, super funny. <laughs> the weird tension that was happening and how really obvious it was from the start as an audience member. And how not quite obvious it was to both of them. <laughs> yeah. Until the end of it where it just went, yeah, why don't you guys come up to our lake? We've got a hot tub. And she's like, no, no. <laughs> Anytime a couple invites you up to their cabin that has a hot tub, No. Unless, hey, unless, unless you go for that, yeah. unless yeah, you're into it. Clearly they're not. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, and then just turning into uh, um, 
infidelity chicken. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, opened up really good, like, line of communication for both of them, which was mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Um. So I really enjoyed that aspect of the that previous episode. But I already kind of talked about one train man hide, hide another a little bit last week. So... Yeah, t- talk to me a little bit about how you were feeling about that episode because I just I was really blown away by it. Well, what I love about that episode is the way it is so strongly from Max's point of view to the extent where we're as a viewer you're doubting what we theoretically know. And the reason you can doubt that is because the show has not outright like had faith say Mac raped me or right. Mac raped one of my friends. Um it's just alluded to things a bunch. So based on what we see in this episode, oh, maybe Faith was trying to say that Mac's father had done something. And that's why, like, that, because, like, we're looking, as you're watching this episode, you're looking for there to be an answer that makes no one the bad guy. Yeah. Because Mac's very likable in a lot of this episode. He's very relatable. Um, and so you just start you just start scanning with your brain what can be a solution that can make this nobody's fault, which is not it's not how sexual assault works. <laughs> so yeah. unfortunately, that's not what can happen. Um, and uh, I think it's you know it's very interesting and very compelling to do that for an episode seven in a I assume this is a thirteen, ten, a ten. I think yeah. it's a ten. I'm almost like I'm ninety percent positive it's a ten. 10 episode season um so it it's just is very it's very effective and then to end it with like because you start with like the creepy oh he's in bed with a teenager and they're like oh no he's not okay see he's, he's not uh dreaming about it <laughs> yeah i know you're, you're supposed to not think about that for a while <laughs> they try to distract you if, but then and, but then ending the way that it does which we don't they cut away before we can see anything inappropriate happen aside from him, you know, inviting a teenager up to his apartment and telling her about when he tried to kill himself and like way oversharing, getting her to way overshare, not letting her have any alcohol until he eventually does, which then makes him letting her have the alcohol feel and like And then they... I'm yelling, girl, get out of that apartment. Oh my God. So badly. I was yelling yeah. at my television. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's just like you're watching this and this scene and they, they managed to make it feel so organic, but at the same time, a masterclass in manipulation of him manipulating her into a position where she is going to have sex with him yeah, uh, or do something. Yeah. And, um, and of course she's a teenager and that's called rape. Um, so this is, I just, I, I thought it was very well done, very well handled. And I, I cannot wait when I am back to my DVR to uh, to to catch up with the most recent episode from this week, because uh, I, I don't know, does it pick up where this left off in like in any extent at all? No, no just cut away to different characters. Yeah, uh, most of the, most of the whole book is focused on um, setting up a bunch of stuff for the, I guess the final two episodes. If, if it's actually 10, it's about setting stuff up for the final two episodes. Um, so there's a lot of like groundwork and foundation laying to make sure that everyone has necessary information. Um, it's a less significantly less good episode than One Train May Hide Another in part because a lot like what you just described and everything, a lot of the nuance just is still there, but there's just, it's very much, all right, 
this is this is how we're going to do with this type of stuff and how that works and so it's much more it's confronting a lot of uh, it's confronting a lot of the plot points much more head-on than when trademain hide another was confronting its particular issue um which again makes sense because when trademain hide another is very much about a man hiding so the fact that the episode itself feels very cloaked um makes sense whereas mm-hmm. the whole book is very much about figuring things out so structurally and tonally and what we learn and how we learn it and everything makes sense within the confines of the perspective of the character that we're going through this with. And so it's a less nuanced episode, but it feels structurally a piece of one train may hide another in the sense how they want to tell this particular story really, really well. And I'm really interested in that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to catching up with it, like I said, and uh, this is one that has bumped up from, oh yeah, I should watch that Greenleaf episode, to I can't wait for it to be Wednesday (laughs) to watch that Greenleaf episode. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like the only show I get to like, that I actively watch live, because for whatever reason, my cable subscription does own on the East Coast feed. Mm. So Greenleaf airs at seven o'clock my time, which is perfect, because I go to bed at like 8.30, because I'm up at like 4.30. (laughs) Uh-huh. Um, so I get to watch like Greenleaf live and it's like the only show I watch live or <laughs> cause I'm in bed by the time everything else is airing right now. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm really glad that you're like really into it now. Cause I'm really into it now too. Cause it's really great. Yeah. Well, and it also doesn't hurt that they've had some fantastic music in these episodes as well. I, I, I love their, uh, use of, of different uh like over the end credits they're using really specific song choices and i've been enjoying those as well but um our, our, our last show this week we should get to is uh the night of and i caught last week i had seen half of the second episode so i was fairly useless in the conversation last week but i'm all caught up now for a dark crate and um i am torn i'm not sure how i'm supposed to feel about some of these characters and what's gonna be happening um my instinct because obviously it's john totoro is to not trust new late new lawyer lady it's like you're not john totoro so even though he seems like he's trying to build the family out of money uh let's see uh, I, just which like, uh, oh it's so hard yeah oh man i still don't but i still don't trust her either so i don't know what to think what do you think I always feel anxious when anyone who isn't Diane Lockhart goes, we're going to take your case pro bono. Because <laughs> unless it's Diane Lockhart, I'm immediately... Given the con- context of how she goes to them is like the key thing. It's just like, you, associate, you're brown, mm-hmm. come here. <laughs> Where yep. are you from? Do you speak Hindi? <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, no, okay, well, oh, you do, great. And you're close enough. Mm-hmm. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, lady, this is this is not good. This is well-meaning white lady also looking to make a name for herself even more than what Stone is looking to do, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, neither of these people are particularly good. <laughs> yeah. But she just feels really shifty. In a different mm-hmm. way, in a much in a much different way than Totoro's. I'm just going to keep lowering the price until we get to the price that I actually wanted you to pay, which mm-hmm. is very much where I think he's going with 75, 55, 50 basement. That's the most I can do, the least mm-hmm. I can do for this. And it's just like, 
yeah, none of this feels good and organic or even all that trustworthy. And I think that's one of the things about this episode is like nothing feels particularly good or trustworthy. Like you can't really trust Michael K. Williamson's character because who knows what he wants in return for protection, even though clearly Naz needs it because <laughs> his bed's getting set on fire. <laughs> yeah, that was intense. Um, and criminals are doing the throat slitting thing to him, which felt a little on the nose after a bit much. Yeah. Set the bed on fire. I think doing the throat slitting thing is pretty well implied. (laughs) They're not known for subtlety. Yeah. It's it's a little redundant. I think at that point, um, the other thing was, is that for me, that really stuck out was whether or not Naz's father's two taxi partners were basically going to sue or file charges against Nas to get their car back. Mm-hmm. And I just love that additional layer of problem, but that additional layer of, well, Nas, you, you didn't mean to get trapped up in this situation, but now you, everything's you spiral- did. Right, everything's spiraling, basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, because when you're looking at who to trust from a lawyer standpoint, what you need is the best lawyer. That lawyer who's going to be able to give you the best defense. Yeah. But there is always something to be said for Stone saw something in him. He didn't know what he was charged with. He just knew that kid. There's something up here. He doesn't look like he's guilty. He looks like he's confused. He looks like he doesn't belong here. I think either he didn't do it or he doesn't. He's not culpable. Yeah, for whatever it is, and so like that that in- instinctual trust of of Nas, which I think I think we're supposed to think he didn't do it, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the show has not spent any time with who else could have done it yet. Hopefully, that is coming. Um, but I, I, you know, he gets such a benefit of the doubt based on that, and also let's be honest, based on the unfortunate magical me- lawyer music from the first episode. Yeah, we're gonna um, talk a little bit more about that after you finish this up because I have more okay. thoughts about that. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but uh, you know that, that it's it's hard to sh- once you've established that that feel in a show, it's really hard for at least for me to shake that once you have your sense of who the character is without a massive betrayal of that or without like a aha we are supposed to you know without a reveal it's it can be really difficult to shake that so i think it actually does a really effective job of putting you in the shoes of these characters because on paper go with the big firm we'll do it for free because they want the advertisement rather than the guy who has no experience who's trying who's who's doing it for 50k and you can't afford 50k why would you ever not take this other lawyer's deal um, but we also know this is a show. So, you know, it's it's an interesting perspective to be put in as a viewer. But you want to talk about music, and you know well, I always do. I want to talk about music, but I also want to talk about how we talked a little bit about what the music meant. And I haven't read the article. Um, Catherine, um, who writes at Vulture, uh, wrote a little bit about the show as like a fairy tale. I didn't read the article. I just saw the headline, but I didn't want to read the article because we were going to be talking about it week to week. And based on how she was how she was talking about it, I felt like she'd watched all the most of the show. But based on the like the music and everything, this idea of their fates being intertwined, but also Stone as this I kind of like a fairy god lawyer type of thing who mm-hmm. shows up at just the right moment when you need something. 
And it happens again with the Michael K. Williamson character that he shows up at just the right moment with a gift for Nas. And it's just like Nas keeps stumbling into these really terrible situations, but keeps having someone there to help him for a price or for some sort of need. But we got like similar types of music with Michael K. Williamson that we Mm. got when Stone showed up, not like as on the nose. (laughs) as the stone scoring was in the first episode, but it's there. And because this show so sparingly uses non-diegetic music, when it does happen, it just immediately calls attention to itself. So I was like really aware when music started playing with Michael K. Williamson's character and Michael K. Williams's character. And I just went, oh, okay, so we're going to kind of redo this again, maybe in a different sort of way. Because, I mean, he's telling Nas how to survive in a similar way that Stone's telling him how to survive. And I just, I haven't sussed it all out yet. Mm -hmm. But how are you feeling about this? Well, I always enjoy Michael K. Williams. He's Right, no, he's great. He's so good. Um, And so when he shows up, it's just sort of in like those clips or whatever, the photos is like, huh, intriguing. That seems like a big presence to add sort of out of nowhere. I, I honestly I'm way less invested in the jail side of things yeah, than I am yeah in anything else that's happening so uh that's a little distracting uh, I would rather just not have that storyline and sure. focus on the case um but I you know I have to assume that there is more coming with that and that'll be more of interest I feel like having you know I hadn't thought about it as a fairy tale like that and and this notion of of who's showing up when but then it's that question of is this a gift is this a right a temptation from from a devil is this a guardian angel or is this a correct person you know who will show up just in time for you to end up um beholden for the rest of your life and his family too so um yeah it's it's just again you're i think you're very much with nas yeah and I think that so I think they've done a good job in their writing and the, their structuring of things. Of course, like how is he supposed to survive in there? Like, it, does he have any other choice? Because it doesn't seem like he does. He doesn't. I mean, even like the intake uh, officer is very much like, "Good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have any gang affiliation. Have fun." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it, seeing how how this all plays out. Because again, there's only what eight six episodes eight episodes eight episodes i think eight yeah yeah so and we're almost halfway done um but there's still a lot if they're going to develop this prison storyline there's still a lot more they can do so um we may not be in it very long considering that the the prosecution wants to fast track this yeah though i don't know how much you can fast track something like this but i don't know I don't know. All I know is that I do eventually want some sort of a concrete answer. I don't I don't need answers all the time, but based on the way this show has been progressing, I do feel like I'm going to need some kind of an answer to who did it. How okay. do you feel about that? Generally not expecting to get one. Um, mm-hmm. But considering just my sheer tiredness with people getting women getting murdered... It's just yeah. like, and brutally, and like, stabbed for each year she was alive, as we're just kindly told. <laughs> it's just like, um, 
yeah, I'd kind of like to know who did this and why. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Pretty much. So um, we'll see what they come up with and um, how they continue to structure the show tonally and like like the level of allegory and yeah. fairy tale to to what they're they're exploring. But yeah, I, I I'm still I'm still very um, intrigued with this one and glad to be you know glad to be following along. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on the night of or the rest of the week's TV? Um, I'll give a quick. I, it doesn't win my week. Because we're going to discuss mm-hmm. what wins our week, but I'm going to give a quick shout out to uh, Girl Meets World. Mm-hmm. Um, solved their romantic triangle like well, they're solving it tonight, but Disney just like puts episodes up willy nilly. <laughs> so I've already <laughs> seen this week's episode. Um, but they solved their romantic triangle, and the romantic triangle on the show has been really, generally really well executed, if a little drawn out. But it has always been in service of the two. F- girl characters in what it meant for their relationship since they both liked the same guy there wasn't like any backstabbing or like being angry that they both liked the same guy it was very much an exploration about what this means for our friendship that we both like the same guy and how can we reconcile our feelings for him versus our feelings for one another and the show they resolve the triangle and then their friendship is fine and reaffirmed at the end of the episode, which is all I really care about, because I don't really care about the shakeout of the romantic triangle. I care about that Maya and Riley are still really good friends with one another. That's what matters to me. And I was really impressed and really happy with how the show definitely handled all of that stuff. And it got concluded this week. And I'm very, very happy because also I was just getting really tired of that story. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Well, if that yeah. doesn't win your week in TV, what does win your week in TV? Alone at Sea and the Stephen Baum. Um, yeah, it's just, I, 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 my apologies to the Great British uh, Baking Show for not winning it this year, but not winning it this week, I should say. But uh, we had Alone at Sea and that, that was going to win, obviously. Uh, so what won your week? Oh, yeah, definitely Steven Universe. It was so good this week. I look forward to another Steven Bomb next week. I, like, I can't handle this this much Steven awesomeness. Just kidding, I can. It's yeah. wonderful. Keep yeah. it coming. Um, but, two yeah. weeks of Steven Bombs. Let's just, let's not make that a thing. Let's just work them, to work their fingers to the bone, just, like, till there's nothing left of Rebecca Sugar and her and her people. Uh, well, we're going to have plenty more Steven talk to come, listeners, as we get head into our Comic-Con preview here. Um, so so much fun from comic-con uh yeah but uh now before we do that i guess we will take a break listen to a little bit of mr greg which was the theme of the the steven universe panel at comic-con this year and uh, come back with our 2016 san diego comic-con tv wrap-up with friend of the show maggie kalzik right back after this Begin to be half of what you think of me. I could do about anything. I could even learn how to love. When I see the way you act, wondering when I'm coming back. I could do about anything. I could even learn how to love like you. Love like you. I always 
We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And this week it's time for our Comic-Con wrap-up, uh, which means, Noel, you're going to talk with myself and a special returning guest to the podcast, my sister, Maggie Kalsik, about Comic-Con, which, again, in case any of our listeners have forgotten, you did not attend. And you no. do not wish to attend. No. But are you? But hopefully we'll talk about it and you'll get some, like... Uh, contact high off of our experience and maybe we'll entice you into thinking about someday attending a different smaller con. I will always go to smaller conventions. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you like to know about Comic-Con this year, Noel? Well, first of all, actually, you know, let me, let's me let welcome on our guest. Maggie, welcome back. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so, so, Noel, what is of interest to you for Comic-Con this year? Can we talk about Steven Universe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, let's be honest here. That's really all I care about. <laughs> uh, um, but no, um, I was really out of touch that entire weekend because my mom was in town. So I didn't even know that Rebecca Sugar had come out um, until like Monday. I didn't know that she had come out, and yeah. I was in the room. No, I, we oh, didn't know that either, because we didn't realize. Like it was, it a, was so, it was so casual. Like just, it was just, you know, she was obviously okay. So throughout it, and at the panel the previous day, it seemed to me um, that was the common uh, Cartoon Network costume ball. She was there okay. too, and it seemed to me that um, she was kind of wavering on whether, like, fully just talking about lgbtq rights with steven universe or like skirting around just like coming out and talking about it uh, sure. um so yeah it just seemed to me that she was just thinking about how she was going to like what she was gonna say um and then she just uh then finally uh, someone came up to ask a question and just asked um about representation with Steven Universe, uh, bluntly, which was cool because, like, no one had asked about that. Um, and then she kind of thought about it and thought about what she was going to say. And then she just said, well, you know, you know, as a bisexual woman, this is really important to me that, you know, everyone can see themselves. And she said it, she did, wasn't, um, you know, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of fanfare or something. She just like said it very naturally, and no one on the stage was like, "Oh, you know." So, yeah. So we didn't know that that wasn't said before that that was her coming out. So that was really cool to have been there for that. Yeah, it was a really emotional panel. So, as, as we all knew, they did the you know we knew they were going to do a music show, and they did right. that, and they started with that, and that was amazing. And we'll talk more about that, listeners. Never you fear. Uh, but then they also did a regular panel afterwards. That's why it was like sure. an hour and a half long thing. So like forty five minutes of, of music, and then forty five minutes of panel. And so it was a really uh, emotional and um, and touching experience. Anyways, because of the music, and they did a bunch of stuff for Mr. Greg. So you can imagine it was getting dusty, <laughs> uh, Noel. Um, and and so that that really positive energy moved into the panel and so when the topic came up it just felt like a natural continuation of the conversation it was a very supportive environment and you could i mean watching the response to the music and to i mean because of course it's such a personal show for rebecca sugar it's not like she came on in the middle of a run of law and order or csi or something this is her baby um and you could see her just getting like really choked up and vis you know like visually very moved visibly very moved at the response to everything um and yeah it was it was really 
it must have been a very emotional you know, a couple hours for her. And so to feel, I, you, you could see that she's been accepted. Yeah. She felt very safe in, in the yeah. room and very, you know, supported. And, and there was, there was applause after she said, um, she came out, but it didn't feel like, Oh my God. It's like, like a buzz excitement, but more just like, of course, hell yeah. Steven universe, LGBT representation, um, applause. And so, yeah, I only, I found out later. <laughs> one yeah. of my Twitter <laughs> followers was like, Oh, is that the first time she said that? I was like, Oh, but um, <laughs> but no, it was a it was a very cool moment. I was talking with Maggie about this afterwards. Um, not only so we had gone to the Star Trek world premiere a couple days earlier, which was amazing. Right. We'll talk about that too. But um, uh, this as soon as the panel was happening, we're like, this is probably gonna be our highlight, right? And the panel happened. We're like, yeah, this is definitely the best thing we're gonna see this weekend. It's not gonna be close. Um, and it was just a really wonderful experience. Rebecca Sugar really, really impressed me with the thoughtfulness of her responses to questions, with um, how willing she is to put herself out there with what she's feeling and experiencing. Um, and and she, so she jumped up to my list. She's next to Whedon and Fuller for me, for creators that I am impressed with and uh, respect their their not just their abilities and their talents, but their vision and their worldview and how, you know, they understand fandom, how they understand the crafting of narrative and character. And, and the effect it has on people. Yeah, and the power of storytelling to, to impact and change lives. So it was a really, really special experience. Yeah, she was really kind, too. Just when people sometimes would ask kind of like... Questions they couldn't Silly answer. <laughs> questions or whatever. And she, but she was always, you know, very gracious. And you say, that was a great question. And even when I think there was a little bit of good nature ribbing at some of the some of the questions that were being asked, she was always very gracious. Um, so I thought that was nice. Is there an example that comes to mind of this for you from you both? A, a student, a, a student, a kid came up and asked if if Stephen and the gems could rap. Uh, you can do, you know, do a rap, and and is that ever going to happen? And so Estelle just goes, "This is Garnet back together." It's like mm-hmm. I just did this. Song. Yeah. Well, and then too, and then they were like, the the guy was monitoring the panel. Um, said Cookie Cat. He like raps in the first episode. The first episode. He's like, he said, he said like not like a me but like, have you seen the show? You know. <laughs> Uh, and then, but then Rebecca Sugar's response was, "Well, unless are you asking, is there a rap on Homeworld?" And she like so she spun into like this whole other thing. That's a really interesting question of what the music world would be like. And so like she took, and she's like she helped the questioner, yeah, save some face there. And yeah. right. So well, and too when um when people were visibly like nervous to talk to her or to talk to them, you know, she kind of uh, made them feel at home. So. And that's not, they don't, people don't always do that. It's yeah. not the rule. So that was cool. Well, that sounds very exciting. Uh, so, but how was, how was the uh, musical aspect that they opened with? Because they posted a quick clip of them, like, kind of rehearsing on Instagram that I watched, like, five times. Because it was going to be close as I got. <laughs> on repeat, yeah. Uh, so how was that experience like? Well, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, to just... Let's get that out of the way. They opened up with a jam session with the two composers on keys. Well, they opened up with one okay. of the fusion melodies. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it, um, and it was. It's a really. Uh, I'm trying to think of which fusion melody it is. It might be. It might be. Might have been amethyst and garnet. Maybe. 
I don't I don't remember. So I don't, I don't but but no, but it was but it they opened with a fusion um melody which had a really good beat and it was exciting cuz it's a very unique sound. So you're like, "Oh my god, I'm hearing this in person. Like this is what I've like heard and thought about, you know, and now I'm hearing it live." And it's that was really a neat way to start. And that was just with like the music, with just the instrumentals. Well, but the very first thing was just the keys. It was just the composers. Yeah, and that's why, yeah. Then, then they, they brought people onto the stage. They brought out a violinist who records on all their soundtracks, all the, all the score. And then they brought out one of the writers and one of the storyboard artists who played bass and guitar. And then they all together did... Is that the fusion melody they all did together? Or was it... I thought they had something playing for before people came yeah. out. And then they brought everyone out. Yeah. And so then they did some instrumental stuff. Which was very cool. And then they, they brought, uh, and then Rebecca Sugar came out, right? And then they. Yeah, she was first. She was first. And then, and they did some music, and then they brought each of the voice artists out one by one. So first was, was Dee Dee Magnum Hall, uh, who did um, Pearl. And of course, I didn't know this. Noel, did you know that she was um, one of the first uh, leads of Miss Saigon on the, in the touring company? I did not know that. And no. yeah, she was in the original Broadway cast of Wicked as, as Nessa Rose. Uh, as Nessa Rose. Yeah. Lady can sing. Yeah, <laughs> she was really good. And she was so uh, she was so excited and really just seemed to into the performance and really happy to be there. And she sang the first thing was or did they do the other Mr. Greg songs? They did. They started with Mr. Greg. The first thing they did um was Shake a Leg as Mr. Greg. Yeah. Because of, uh, yeah, I think it was Mr. Greg. They did one of the Mr. Greg songs, and then they brought her out, and she did. Um, it's over, isn't it? It's over, isn't it? Yeah. And and she brought the house down. Yeah, she did. And it was so much more, like, it's great on the show, and you get the mm-hmm. visuals and everything, but it's so much more powerful live, getting the energy of the performer, and she could really go for it, like, go really, right. really big. Um, so that was that was tremendous. And then they did, um, who was out next? Uh, Steven came out Steven next. came out. And mm-hmm. what did he sing? Oh. Also for Mr. Greg, right? Could have done. I, I don't remember, but maybe. Could I think have it was been, his song from well, A lot of the Mr. songs Greg. were from Mr. Greg. And then they did some of the other more yeah. original. They did um, On the Road. With Amethyst. But which they really did that cool. without the woman who voices Amethyst. Yeah, that's true. And then they brought her out to sing the Tower one. Tower, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, then they brought out Estelle last, because, of course, as soon as she was going to be out, it was stronger than Right, you. it was, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. she did some crowd work, had the halves of the, of the audience doing the uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, back and forth. Um, our side lost, hardcore. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we tried, yeah. but no, we, we just, we got schooled. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then they did um, the theme song. They did the closing credit song, which was really cool. Oh, that was, yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah. Because um, they did the whole extended version, and she talked about the process for that, because it started as just a 30-second, you know, song and then over these past years they've really extended it and deepened the message and the it has changed as she's grown and as the show has grown so that was really um that was really special yeah they were asking one of the questions was who is singing the closing theme like the, those words who is that about who is it 
who are they singing to? And the Rebecca Sugar's answer was that, well, it's really about how in order to love someone else, to truly love them, not just idolize them, you have to be able to accept and understand that they love you or why they love you. You have to and love yourself in order, Yeah, first. so in order to truly love someone, you have to also love yourself. She's like, and she was, so she was talking about how that really connects with all the characters on the show. And I was just like, oh, the tears. Yeah. The tears, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that was... That was awesome. Yeah. So and then then the they closed uh, they closed it out with um with everyone doing the extended theme, right? Yeah. The the extended theme for um for the theme song, which that was really really cool hearing all the different parts. But that wasn't the last one. The last one they did was was Special that an encore sneak peek? Yeah, that was late later on at the, at the towards the end of the like in the panel. Yeah. That was before they finished. Before they finished. Before and they this finished. was a song, they debuted a song that Rebecca Sugar sang and played mm-hmm. ukulele for um, that is going to be in an upcoming episode. Cool. And uh, Rebecca Sugar wrote it when she was having a really hard time, really struggling with some stuff. And so it's an awesome song. It's very simple. It's very much in the style of the, sh- the music of the show. Um, but also I thought pretty powerful, especially the, her performance of yeah. it. You know, you could tell how personal it was. Um, but so Maggie and I have been trying to like figure out who we think is singing it in the show. Okay. But what the fallout of that might be, because there's some like intense stuff in there. So, like, I really don't want it to be like, I don't know, Ruby or Sapphire. And I really, but I don't want it. But it could be like Pearl. But it would have to be someone who has a close relationship. That's yeah. That's all we'll say. We're not going to spoil it for for you guys. But um. Well, what was the but? You can say what the the name of it was. Um. Here comes a thought. Here comes a thought. Is the name of the song. But yeah. um, but yeah, so it's like yeah, we don't want to again. We don't want to spoil it for you guys. There so. will be instantly ukulele versions of it as soon as it airs. <laughs> let's just say. <laughs> do Do you have any other yeah. questions? Like, what do you, What are you What are you thinking of this? Other than you know, it would hopefully there there was a lot of filming of it. We should say, um, there were camera crews going around filming the performance, filming the audience, the reaction. Um, so I would be very surprised if it didn't show up on a DVD special feature somewhere. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, everybody everybody was just losing their shit. Yeah. (laughs) Hardcore. Yeah. 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 Very. Everyone was very much together. Yeah. Well, I don't think we need to talk about anything else because that. That. We just talked. And goodbye for 15 (laughs) minutes about Steven Universe. See you next week. Because we, again, (laughs) next year. Last week on the podcast, Noel, when we recorded, the Star Trek world premiere had already happened. Right. You had talked a little bit about that experience. You talked about that, and that was amazing. And yeah. so when this happened, I was like, this was better. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just also poignant, you know, and really just make you made you think about things because it was all things that can apply to your life and other people's lives. And it was very personal and real. So that's, I think, what made it um, connect even yeah. more. Well, yeah, and Rebecca Sugar was talking about um, the important importance of having lgbtq themes in children's programming and children's entertainment about how it's so important to see yourself on screen and it's and if you don't see yourself on screen you learn from that too right um and how important it was to teach kids about this stuff but also teach them about consent and to teach them about all like so like i was just like so i didn't have enough applause for it i was just like (laughs) everything you're saying is so great and it's so such important topics for for anybody to understand, but particularly for for parents, for uh, educators, for the people who are in charge of censorship of stuff. Um, so it was just really, 
very and she was so incredibly articulate and it basically it's all stuff that we talk about on the podcast Noel seeing in the themes and messages of of Steven Universe it's all there and it's all very intentional and so having that confirmed it's not just like well I want the show to be about this stuff too <laughs> just like no no what you're seeing is there because that's the the creator really wants it to be and it's very important to her for it to be um yeah her brother was there who is oh, steven and yeah that's since she wrote it she said that when she was right. writing it, she wrote it for her brother and he he looks exactly like him my goodness right that <laughs> except I for knew. there's that, a beard I, I, I knew that but yeah. like a fuzzy little beard but yeah. but yeah the hair and everything so that was cool and he was wearing a steven shirt <laughs> in the audience and he was just he was just in the middle like section just in the audience so yeah right. that was really cool but yeah so that made the con the oh, and then, oh, then also, though, she also premiered that she um, is releasing a children's book that's going to come out in the fall called The Answer. And it's a story, a children's picture book that goes through uh, Ruby and Sapphire's um, meeting from that episode. So okay. a picture, a storybook, children's picture book format of their story of how they met each other and fell in love. Yeah, and the, it, the art looks really great. And the art is by the by some of the people who do the show. And, you know, that's, of course, like, pre-order. You know, yeah, it's going to be really <laughs> well, good. Well, and it was like, you said it was like 10 bucks or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. they no, could no big deal. They could totally charge that up if they wanted to, but it looks like they don't want to, so that's cool. Uh-huh. Well, no, that's, that's good and appropriate considering, like, I remember when we talked about that episode, I talked about how it looked very much like Sleeping Beauty the Disney version of Sleeping Beauty, which in itself feels very much like an illustrated book at times, just through the cell work. So no, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so what else did you guys see? Uh, what what stood out in particular? Like you all went to the same panels, which makes this a lot easier for me, but uh, <laughs> what stood out for each of you? So apart from, I guess my question is, apart from Steven Universe, and hopefully answers are different, like which other panel kind of came close no panel came close but yeah. we did <laughs> but see good ones though yeah we did see some other good panels um i think you know let's let's contrast maybe with it animaniacs live because that was in the similar vein in that it was a lot of music from the show but yeah um and i really wanted to like that one but the trouble was um for me at least despite really having a very uh, fond place in my heart for animaniacs a lot of the songs outside of the context of the show aren't as meaningful to no, me. No, they're just silly. They're just they're silly. Not, they're just silly. They're not... Yeah. Which is fine in and of itself, but, you know, it's, it's not... It's exciting to see live. Well, and they were also... They were just selling their concert the entire time hard. They, so. Yeah, it was a very, very hard sell for their um, program of music they put together to, pair, to go with symphony orchestras. Yeah. So, like, they can be contracted by uh, symphony orchestras to do like this event and they were they were just selling the whole time on that and if they had had not been if they had just been enjoying themselves and the music and the audience and it could have been a lot better um so that was a little disappointing um but some other we saw some other good tv stuff we saw a pilot or two oh yeah yeah. talk about one pilot was really funny it was um people of earth and what's his name from the daily show wyatt snack Wyatt Snack, he was so funny, and he was there, and it's, um, so they showed us the pilot, and then the cast, and came out, and it was, um, Wyatt Snack and Conan O'Brien is producing it, it's gonna be on TBS, 
so yeah we were we were just cracking up a lot with that one it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah it's a very strong pilot Noel. um when's the last time a comedy pilot made you laugh out loud within the first 30 seconds I, I don't even know the answer to that question. I, yeah. I, I, I just assume that's a rhetorical question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was because it was a very, it was a strong pilot. It was, it was really very good. Um, a lot of great stuff for Brian Husky. Anna Gasteyer's in the cast as well. Yeah, she was, um, she, was very, she was there. Um, she was very good. Um, so it's not like greatest all-time pilots ever, but I think it's really promising and a, a really um has a lot of potential to continue the TBS comedy brand, their new brand. Um, Maggie, let's give a brief synopsis of the plot for those who don't know. What is People of Earth about? Um, So People of Earth is about a support group in a small town for people who've had... uh, experiences was it was that the word the way they yes put it? they because prefer to be called experiences rather than abductees because it sounds less aggressive or something well because it doesn't strip them of their agency okay um but anyway so that and then this reporter Wyatt Snack, is uh a reporter coming out to do a piece on that and then um when he's doing the research and talking to them he starts to have these weird experiences himself and he later comes to the conclusion that he might have had an, an experience with um, with aliens. So he uh, ends up. Well, I guess I'll just, yeah, I guess I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So he's yeah. been having some some weird dreams. Um, and is he just? Is he experienced something? Is he just? really really tired the way that the yeah. actor referenced just that's why he's so deadpan because he's just always really tired um and so going to in, to do the story has that fed these ideas into his dreams and that's why maybe he's remembering something so there there's a lot of fun they can have with that and the cast is is very good um we also saw powerless which okay. is the new show on nbc that one is really underwhelming it's not terrible no it's um, not terrible uh, I mean, the, the concept in of itself is interesting which is the concept is like you know you have superheroes bashing up the whole city and what happens when they come and they you come to your car and it's completely wrecked because they threw a bus on it or something so Mm -hmm. insurance policies um so the concept is interesting but um yeah it wasn't bad but it was just like eh. it wasn't funny enough no and the the main so starring um vanessa Hudgens. hudgens hudgens the character honestly for me just came off as too uh no she didn't feel like a character and like she didn't have enough specificity to her she was a bunch of ideas but not wasn't specific well, enough. No one likes but Vanessa that Hudgens, person, okay. Well, Vanessa Hudgens is very charming and yeah. has a lot of you know there's a lot of talent is a lot of potential um but i think that they just she's supposed to be like the goody two-shoes miss perfect yeah no one and likes that's that. usually not the most interesting character to center a show around at least i think um oh it can be as long as like that person's like super like straight laced and everyone else is very very weird and enough to like mm-hmm. keep things moving but from what you're describing that wasn't the case yeah, yeah. they had um danny um, pudi there yeah, um was... as a more straightforward version of of Abed but like he's got some of the same quirks but I was very happy to see they're not just doing Abed again um and uh he's a potential love interest too for the nine years younger than him Vanessa Hudgens um so you know how I feel about that Noel uh but they also had but does um, Maggie know 
Maggie you, knows too. Okay. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I I've lived with her. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. I I enjoyed Kate Micucci and um. Oh my goodness, friend of Battleship Pretension and frequent guest over there. Uh, also on Better Call Saul. What's his name? Oh, Alan Tudyk. No, not Alan no. Tudyk. He it was, has Alan Tudyk, but that's not what there. I'm saying. Uh, Josh Fadum. Josh Fadum okay. and Kate Micucci play siblings. Um, and th- there, uh, there's there's some fun there. There's a conspiracy theory that one of the people in the office is the Green Lantern. Um, and so that's that's pretty fun. And, and Alan Tudyk is, I mean, he's very funny. The role is not very interesting. No. But we'll see what they do with it. So, uh, anyway, People yeah. of Earth, check that one out. Powerless, I would say, based on the pilot, give it a miss. Um, the other TV panel that we saw, because we saw, oh, we saw so a lot good. of diversity panels, actually. We went to a lot of diversity in comics and representation, um, kind of uh, 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 comics and pop culture panels. But the other main TV panel we saw was American Gods. <gasps> yeah, exactly. Exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was it was very much what, what, worthy of that reaction. So, like, what I, I didn't like, uh, like I said, I didn't keep up with this at all. So, I actually haven't read anything about the American Gods panel. The only thing, the only panels I've read about were the CW DC panels, and that was pretty much it. And the Rebecca Sugar thing as well. Uh, so, what what was the gist of the American Gods panel? Did what did they talk about? Um, yeah, just tell me everything. The gist is is gonna be so good. Yeah, it's gonna be really good. It's gonna be really good. Um, I quote: "They can still be quote cinematically weird," says David Slade, mm-hmm. if, when asked if they're gonna continue the visual approach of Hannibal. Uh, basically, David Slade's like, "Yes, we're gonna be cinematically weird, but we can also be straightforward with the narrative too." So that means that they're gonna play visually and you know how I love that Noel um for me the main takeaway and Maggie I look forward to you know what you what you thought of this um the main takeaway for me was the connection the the panelists were making between the source material and the potential to tell very wide-ranging and um thoughtful stories so um one of the actors who is who's been in the U.S. for three years uh, only three years talked about how she really connected to the story as an immigration story and as like a um, it, as someone who is new to this country that that's a really important part of the show for her. We had discussions of of faith. We had discussions of um, of technology. They talked. They said they're going to talk about gun control. They're going to talk about uh, women's rights. Um, they're going to talk about all these different political topics because to the writers and creators um you can't discuss faith and you can't discuss belief without talking about the things that people most believe in and how does that form who they are and and what they believe um so the idea that this is not just a really interesting genre story which y'all know i love um but it's also very interested in 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 these larger topics um is very exciting to me what was your takeaway, Meg? Well, no, just like that. And then they had uh, Brian Fuller there, and he made the, which you probably already know since people have probably talked about it, but um, they made the announcement that Kristen Chenoweth will be playing the character Easter, and mm-hmm. she came out. Um, so that was cool. And, um, and also another thing, which uh, Neil Gaiman said, because he was there as well, 
And he said that there was one thing that he was very hard and fast on that he would not budge at all when they talked about adapting this book for a TV series. And that was that the racial makeup of the characters remain the same. Yeah, he commended the showrunners for adhering to that. Yes, and then and also not just um, he said that the showrunners said of course and there was no problem with that they didn't have any problem with that at all then david slade responded that um you know we will love to take your praise you know but that shouldn't be something that needs to be praised that should be normal that should be standard so um yeah it's an extremely diverse um cast because that's what the story is so that was interesting and uh just the style of it all of the people they had speaking brought their own perspectives to it they had uh gosh gosh kristen chenoweth and then who else from the cast um um Yatidi, i don't know her last name who's playing bill Quist. and they had the mad sweeney they had pablo schreiber pablo schreiber who's gonna be really good is mad sweeney and then they also had ricky whittle whittle who's gonna be sh- doing shadow he is yeah. so handsome guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy. Maggie was swooning. Um, All of the people were beautiful. Yeah. Well, because I mean, because obviously we've been watching the hundred for a while now, right? And he's but, just covered in dirt half the time, but he still looks really good. Yeah, <laughs> but but this was Maggie's first introduction to Ricky Whittle, um, uh, and okay. so the people. So yeah, super intense. His yeah, eyes, intense eyes. Like they're always like when he was just, and he was like really nice and friendly and joking with the cast. But anytime like he was listening, he would his eyes would just like it was just like smolder. Like you want definition for smoldering. Smolder. Just right there. Um and then him and then they also had uh Ian McShane. Yeah. Uh and they also had Techno Boy. The the guy the actor who's playing Technical Boy, uh which who I can't remember his name. I I apologize. He was also super, super pretty, but in a different way. Um Yeah. It was fun to listen to um Ian McShane. And Ricky Whittle particularly talk about getting these characters to play. Um, mm-hmm. And because people ask, like, why, you know, Ian McShane, did you think you'd come back to TV? And he's like, well, you give me this character, I'm going to come back to TV. Right. Um, did he, like, boil the book down the same way, the show down the same way he boiled down Game of Thrones in some way? Or <laughs> did he... No, he did not. He has, <laughs> he has infinitely more respect for American <laughs> than oh, he yeah. does yeah. for Game of Thrones. That's funny, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, and the uh, the actors, it seemed like had all read the book. And um, okay. oh, they and they very much respected the source material as well. Um, yeah. Oh, we should mention it was moderated by Yvette Nicole Brown. Who, oh, oh, fabulous! Okay. And she <laughs> like, as will surprise no one, it's clear oh. she had like read the book several times, taken notes in multiple colors, she like plays too. Yeah, she had she read up several episodes ahead, like the scripts yeah. and stuff. So she I mean woman knows her her oh, her stuff she always makes sure she's prepared best. she was asking very you know fantastic really pointed specific questions um yeah always appreciate her right yeah what was brian fuller making the point of with uh, everyone leaving with love or oh yeah said? so he um brian fuller also had a few thoughts on the current election season the current uh you know situation that the country finds itself in and um and you talked about this at the star trek panel as well i saw some tweets about unfortunately we weren't able to get into the star trek panel but um no he was talking about how we need love in this country and that's the most important thing and um uh that we're at a, you know we're in a difficult 
place right now but um you know what's most important is coming together and supporting and you know he didn't say vote not trump <laughs> but yeah, you know kind of didn't need to well, he said he spoke about the vice presidential he said when we have a vice presidential candidate who what was he saying i don't was he it was, it was about Pence? it was about yeah yeah who something about um being really anti-gay i forget the words he he's used. he's uh in he instituted a number of uh legislate uh signed into law a number of uh, bits of legislation uh severely limiting rights and everything yeah, yeah. so he in spoke Indiana. about that about that and um and something else yeah uh, but anyway so it was um it was very poignant though yeah as will surprise no one, Kate loved the Brian Fuller panel as well as the Steven Universe panel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those were, I would say, those were the highlights. Were there any other panels that come to mind? We really enjoyed the LGBTQ Year in Review panel. That was interesting. That was super duper fun. Well, I learned too for uh, some of the things I had heard about for that, um, I didn't know about in Sims 4. Uh, they are making, they made the changes so that now the um, sims that you choose they're changing the terms it's now instead of male and female it's masculine and feminine and um, also you can change your sims and you can transition them um, after they've been created so if you want to have a transgender character yeah um, and then also the voices you can change because the voices are coded at high range or low range. So as someone who's played, I've always played, I've played Sims really heavily since high school, like on and off. So I didn't know that. So that was interesting. And do you want to speak about the the Disney? Oh, there was some fun stuff about, about uh, um, Disney wanting credit for its representation in Zootopia and, and in um, Frozen, the blinking you miss it, but technically it's there. Uh, representation of gay couples mm-hmm. um, so instead the the because each presenter had a different topic that they discussed and of course first up was Smithers um, so Simpson they talked about Smithers coming out on the Simpsons the second thing they talked about was Lexa and and the barrier gaze trope from this year in television so TV was well represented at this panel um, these are topics so I think our listenership's very familiar with so we don't need to get into right um, but uh they also talked to you know when we and usually when people brought up a topic of something they were very passionate about and something they uh, were happy about in this year then we got to one panelist who talked about this disney stuff and basically just called bullshit over and over yeah. again and it was really funny um so they were what she was talking about was if you really if disney's really serious about this they'll they'll give elsa a girlfriend so she talked about that the give, give elsa a girlfriend campaign a little bit um which was which was very uh <laughs> It was a lot of fun. That, that, yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it was just interesting hearing from her because she was talking about how her son um, always remembers watching Paranorman um, and seeing the representation that that's shown in that, and then how you know Disney, you know, does these tiny things that don't even mean anything. I mean, the the what are they? The antelopes? Antelopes in Zootopia? There is no indication that they are a gay couple at all. Mm-hmm. There's no like, you know, indication that they're not just that roommates. they're not just friends. Which yeah. I I assumed I didn't even think about it, but I yeah. just assumed they were. So these um, are the main characters' neighbors. I don't know if you have you seen Zootopia, Noel. Yeah, I have. Yeah, do you know? Did you, if we said the antelopes, would you know what we were talking about? No, I don't even. remember No, we didn't in either. <laughs> yeah, that, it's the neighbors next door who are arguing really loudly. Okay. And they do both have male voices, but I mean, 
Did you know that they're a couple? No. Yeah, Disney wants to get credit for <laughs> no gay one representation. Did either. <laughs> no one else did either. So <laughs> that's apparently pat yourself on the back. Aren't we such great people? Yeah. Which is what she was talking about, which was interesting. Yeah. Any other? Because um, the other... we saw several other interesting panels, but they're not TV related. So I don't know that they're. I can't talk about CC Bell. Oh, Maggie did uh, get to go meet. We went to a panel for Cece Bell, and you got to get uh, meet Cece Bell as well. Yeah, so Cece, and I'll do, it's not TV, so I'll do it quick, but um, Cece Bell is a children's author and um, illustrator, and she wrote El Defo, which is a graphic novel um, that's won the Eisenhower Award, and it goes, it's a biographic graphic novel, so it goes through her life from the time when she's four, and she gets meningitis and goes to the hospital and loses her hearing to the time that she goes through fifth grade so is that like 12 years old something like that and just her experience as a kid um growing up and being different than other people and the different actor interactions in the neighborhood with her friends and how she basically just goes to grows to accept herself and love herself and find true friendship and um and the whole graphic novel is done through all of the characters being rabbits okay so so that was um really interesting to hear more in depth about her book it's really great i highly recommend it for anyone um for kids but for it's just a really well told narrative so yeah. cc bell and el defo and it takes read it. it takes really good um advantage of the the medium so as she's losing her hearing the words get lighter and lighter until they're white and she can't hear them Uh, but the but the word bubbles like people will be screaming so it'll be a giant word bubble but there's nothing in it um and then when she gets you know has a hearing aid then then the words come back and it's just it's a really um i haven't i've not finished yet unfortunately i haven't had the time to finish it yet but i've started it um under maggie's recommendation and it is as good as she says it's wonderful it's very powerful even just like a third of the way into the book um so yeah if you're interested in in good not just children's story or representation but just in storytelling and taking advantage of a medium and finding a new way to use it el defo by cc bell yeah and it just too it also really because it shows the different people's reactions and some kids who are trying to be sensitive but they say really dumb stuff probably without even meaning to um so you can kind of see maybe some like parts of yourself or of other people and learn how to better interact um with people as well well like one of her friends would like introduce her as this is my deaf friend you know mm-hmm. um and the, how that made her feel and what you know she wished she could have said in her mind mm-hmm. versus like what she actually said which was pretty much nothing which we've all done that um so the just getting inside someone else's skin and seeing how these things make them feel was yeah. interesting is interesting yep so i think those are the the highlights for us from comic-con this year there's only a few but um i I think for us we've been going you've gone now this is your third year and this is my fourth year um and i would say it's our best comic-con yet yeah Yeah. that was actually going to be my final like wrap-up question was where this ranked on your comic-con experiences so no that answered that already too (laughs) yeah it's like these you know the the steven universe panel and then probably the fanable hannibal panable right that was last year yeah and then 
Star Star Trek world premiere, which was amazing. We didn't even talk about it, but it was amazing, guys. Well, we yeah. talked a little about it a little bit. We talked about it last week. week. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that's probably the rank. Any other ones for a top five, or I feel like that's probably how it ranks. Yeah, I mean, last year I really loved the panel where they had graphic novels to um, with kids with special needs as the heroes, which is where I first heard of El Defo, and that's when I got it. Um, so that one last year was also a good one. Yeah. Really, really interesting one for me. But yeah. this one was definitely our best, I would say. Yeah, less, less cosplay on the floor, um, okay. yeah, but lots, lots of adorable cosplay. young rays. Yay. Lots of rays. I saw like nobody cosplaying for the hundred, which I did not anticipate. There was, I was one. Little, there was like one. Remember, wasn't that at the Brian Fuller panel? There was one. Yeah, there was one. Lexa. Yeah, there's one Lexa. Yeah. Um and um yeah, there was a lot of Harley Quinn. Um and I feel like those are the two main ones, right? A lot of Harley Quinn, that's true. Yeah, Harley Quinn and Ray were the two yeah, so there was less cosplay, but there was some pretty sweet cosplay. Um, people may have seen on my Twitter feed. I posted some pictures. Maggie cosplays as Sapphire from Steven Universe, and it was amazing. It looked really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I did Amethyst. Oh. I recycled the Halloween costume, which <laughs> I I love to do. Um, no one, Noel, not a single person got my um, Maria Bamford. I Lady loved Dynamite. it. I retweeted the photos. They were <laughs> so great. Uh, but no, I had one person ask if it was if I was trying to be Sylvester. Yeah. I was like, ah. no, but you know, fair enough because red tracksuit and like right. I would have I would have a whistle, but you know, fair enough. Um, but I was uh, yeah, I, I was I didn't even care. I was like, we went we even went to a panel on representations of mental health in pop culture. Oh, that one wasn't. Good, I was like, if, if anybody is going to to get my thing, it'll be somebody here. First of all, that didn't happen. Second of all, the panel was very underwhelming. Um, to say the least, um, so yeah, but but I was happy with it. I I thought it, you was, looked it looked good. It looked really good. Yeah. And hey, the show just got renewed this week, so that's very exciting. Um, okay, so I think that that will wrap up our our Comic Con 2016 coverage. Um, well, uh, next year, hopefully we will see. Hopefully, we'll be doing Comic Con 2017. And Noel, you can ask us even more questions about panels you have no interest in in braving the crowd for. So. Good all times. the crud, all all the germs, <laughs> all the con crud, and sweat and the helicopters. Oh. Nope. The con yeah. funk is real, man. It's 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 a thing. It's a thing. Okay, well uh, that will wrap up our episode of the Televerse. You can find a post up for this episode at theteleverse.org, uh, which is the website for the for the podcast. You can email us theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us in iTunes where you have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed, and you can also uh, find us on Facebook where we have a uh, a page there. You can like that and start a start up a conversation, and you can find us uh, on Twitter. Um, I am at the Televerse. Noel, you are? At Noel RK. And Maggie's not on social media. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you again, Maggie, for coming on. Yep, my pleasure. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. <laughs>